welcome back to Big Boss Mirror with Brandy Von Holten. Today, I have someone with me by the name of Shayla Shipley. Now, Shayla has been at Von Holten Ranch for, I think, about two years now. She um, came here to a clinic, but she's one of these people that she probably could have taught the clinic if she wanted to because her horsemanship is just stellar, but she's here with her mom and with her niece. Now, when everybody sees her here, she always thinks, everybody thinks that her niece is probably her daughter, but not the case. So it's a little bit of a, um, I love whenever families come here, but it's a mom, a daughter, and a niece. Okay, so Shayla, let's talk about, so where do you live at? We live in Turney, Missouri, which is in pretty much the middle of nowhere, it is just south of Cameron, Missouri, which is north of Kansas City. Okay. Now then, you you had something pretty cute you were talking about, because before Shay, being Shayla Shipley, originally you were Shayla Cook, and your mom, whenever she remarried, she is now Nona Baker. Yes. So y'all are Cook and Baker. Yes. We were going to, whenever they got married, we were going to make a restaurant called the Cooks and the Bakers. <laughs> Okay, so um, tell us a little bit. So you are one of four um, sisters? Yes. Okay, so tell me about them. Um, I'm the baby. So my oldest sister, she's eight years older than me. Uh, She lives in Springfield. And she is the mother of four dogs. (laughs) And then my next oldest sister would be Tanya. She is four years older than me. And she is actually the mom of Carissa. Carissa actually has twin 12-year-old sisters that nobody knows that she has because they never come. Oh, okay. (laughs) So I I do think she likes it coming here because she's not the twin's older sister. She has her own identity. All right. And we're talking about Von Holten Ranch because Shayla comes to Von Holten Ranch for our Country Tough Trail versatility competitions. You know, and Carissa has told me before about the twins. You know what? And I'm sure that... The twins get a lot of attention, and then here we don't even know that the twins exist here, you know what I mean? So I bet that is nice for her to have her own identity. Yes. So is her mom, um, you said Tanya is her mom? Tanya, yes. Is Tanya, um, is she a horsewoman like you? She is scared to death of horses. Okay, so this right here, you are creating more cowgirls yes. without creating another cowgirl. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> so you've got, you're the cool aunt. The cool aunt that can ride horses. I have finally become the cool aunt. Okay. I am a uh, a strict aunt, mm-hmm. so but she's she's learned to enjoy that, and she likes the structure, and she likes to me helping her, and she likes to understand, and she's she's finally understood my personality that I'm not. It's just who I am. Okay. So what about the other sister? Uh, Tasha is two years older than me, and she rode horses with me growing up, but she quit that when she started high school because she was a she was our track star. Um, but she's got two children. She lives in Kansas City with her husband. And, but she, I don't remember the last time she was even on a horse. So Okay, so was your mom always into horses? No. Okay, so you <laughs> are like... In this family of non-horse people, basically, and then boom, then yes. you're like, I'm a cowgirl, and here's how you ride. Yes, and, and it, it did. It started in middle school and high school and all that stuff. I always had friends that had horses, and I seeked out the friends with horses so I could go ride. And then when my mom married Mark, he had two horses, and he always jokes that we went from two horses to 50 horses in two years because of you. Oh, okay. So, and it was because of me, we got horses, and then because of my love for horses, my mother started riding. Okay. So, and then from there, then my niece rides. So, it's it's kind of one person from each generation rides, and nobody else rides. Okay. So, I will tell you, my online horsemanship courses sound like I wish I would have met you when you were in middle school, but I would had to have been the person I am now. So it wouldn't have worked out because you're a 1985. <laughs> I'm a 1979. But I, my online horsemanship courses, which they're available at Horsemanship with Brandy, I meet a ton of people where the kids, the girl, like the, the 10-year-old, the 12-year-old, the 14-year-old, whatever, they love horses, but their mother does not have the experience. And then the mom is like, oh, my gosh. So now I am providing these online courses where they get, it's 12 weeks long, they get two videos a week, but it's just horse knowledge, but it's not a lot of fluff. 
it is we're actually here on a ranch and then here but i get to see a ton of people i wish that that would have been available for your mom i bet she would have loved that earlier on and i and i know she would have because i mean and they did they did really good with probably since the time I was 12, I was riding with multiple people with multiple disciplines, which Mm -hmm. is, which has made me who I am. So, I mean, without them pushing me and getting me into lessons and getting me the qualified teachers because they didn't know anything. So they did me a good service to, to get me to people that actually did and could teach me. Well, you know, I wish that, um, I wish that my parents would have put me in horse lessons whenever I was younger because I didn't have my first horse lesson until I was 33. And so I had to unlearn a lot. I will tell you the biggest thing for me to learn when I was 33 is these leads. I always thought that those were for people that rode English. I did not know it was for anybody that did not ride English. And then, um, I didn't really understand why you would even care what, I mean, I just thought it was going to be some pretty fancy stuff, but, um, that was a big, like, I wish I could have learned about that. Now I host all these kids camps here and I have my online courses. And then I also have country tough trail versatility. I try to make sure and help people. I help people from the age of, I don't know, I have from a a mature four. I know people know exactly what I'm talking about whenever I say it's got to be a mature four. And then I think the oldest student that I've had so far was 82. So that is such a big range. But I know I meet so many people that don't get horses until later in their life. And then they they don't get the opportunity to go through 4-H. You know, and a lot of them feel awkward not getting to take those lessons because they feel like they should already know it and they feel awkward learning things. And then the kids, I don't do like these little, little kid camps. I'm just like, nope, here, let's learn how to pick up their foot. Let's learn where ticks like to hide, you know? And like, I don't hide anything from them. And I think it's going to help the an entire equine industry with being a little bit more real, you know? So what and that's what you're providing for Carissa. Yes, yes, and that's what, and then we. I like I like clinics. I like to push her to clinics. I like to to go to them so she can she can hear it said in a different way, and it may click with her better that way. And mm-hmm. I and I do think it's nice to hear it from somebody else. I think clinics are are really important for everybody because you learn a lot, and you can see other people are struggling in the same area that you are. You are not the bad problem. It's you just need to learn more. Oh right. Um, I just got through with a clinic last weekend with me actually being the student, and it's my instructor that's been with me for a long time, and uh, he had said, um, man, because he's seen me go through all these different clinics with all these different horses and mules, and so he's like, okay, this one, it's kind of awkward because he's like, your hands are kind of shouting. He's like, you're not heavy-handed, but you've got to give that animal enough time to process what you're thinking. But then this animal is a little bit lazy. So I'm all like, he's like, you got to give her think time, but you can't give her the incorrect amount of think time because she's also lazy. And I'm like, oh, my gosh, that's really hard to process. <laughs> be gentle but soft. <laughs> or gentle and hard. <laughs> yeah, be gentle and hard. Like, give her time, but not too much because she takes too much. But then you still got it. So I'm like, okay. All right. So, like, even though I teach clinics for a living, I learn stuff from people all the time. And I'm always taking pictures and sharing with people. Um, It's a journey. If you ever find an instructor that doesn't have an instructor, then you need a new instructor. I agree. Yeah, everybody, you can always get better. My instructor changes. I see him twice a year for two three-day-long clinics, and he changes something Every time I see him, not not big changes, but just um, his horsemanship is still evolving. And he even just, it's Lee Hart. Lee Hart's the main guy I train with. He even just got selected for the Road to the Horse Wild Card Challenge. And so, like, this is a massive thing to be selected for. And, and he's still evolving. He's 50, and he's still evolving. So let's talk about some things. Like, you have a, a BS in ag business. Yes. And where did you graduate from? Uh, Northwest, um, up in Maryville. 
Okay, that's where my current um, intern is from. She has an an ag she's an ag media major with an emphasis in advertising. It's just like, oh my gosh, <laughs> I have her um, transcribing these podcasts to put them on my blog of my website because a lot of people don't want to. A lot of people don't understand how to find podcasts and they don't have time to listen to them. Why well, I also make it where they can read it. So a lot, there's a lot of people that would rather just read something. Right. So you sell insurance. Yes. What kind of insurance? I sell commercial insurance and I am the primary person that quotes new business for our commercial agents or commercial insurance. Okay. Commercial insurance um, for construction for the equine world if you can insure it we can write it oh girl (laughs) that right there needs to be on a t-shirt yeah but we we do we like to say that we specialize in in anything and everything um i see one day actually right now we see a lot of truckers and nobody likes the trucker premiums because nobody wants to write truckers right but outside of that you know we write anywhere from our the small single one owner, no employees, lawn mowing companies, up to our multi-state conduit construction companies that have, you know, 150 employees. So okay. there's no big, no no small. Um, what is the name of the insurance company you work for? I work for JVLB Insurance Group. Okay. Now then, this right here, you and your, this Mark, Mark, your stepfather, yes. did insurance before, and now you and your mom, Nona, both sell insurance? Yes. Okay. And then, um, so, and his parents had it before? Yes. So you are third generation? Yes. Now, did Mark bring any children to the marriage whenever he... No. Okay. No, he married into us four girls. Wow. I want to meet Mark (laughs) and give him a drink of something. Whatever he wants, I'm going to get it for him. For a man to marry into four girls, what, what a saint. Yes. Yes. Wow. Okay. Well, Mark is now ten foot tall in my in my <laughs> mind and able to carry all sorts of loads of everything. What a great guy. I love stories like that. So you do all sorts of breeding. Yes. Okay. So let's get into these before we get into the breedings, let's talk about a little bit of your past competitions. So, first thing, you were the Missouri Rodeo Queen. Missouri High School Rodeo Queen. Missouri High School Rodeo Queen. Okay. And that, tell us about that experience. Um, That was a lot of fun. I never really planned on ever doing anything like that. Friends that I competed with in high school rodeo, they convinced me that I should do it because they thought I would do good. And it was a lot of fun. We, I won the state and then went and competed at nationals. Met a lot of people, had a lot of fun. It was it was a good learning experience. It was. I mean, the, you, you've got to do interviews. You've got to do impromptu. You've got to do the speech. So there's a lot to it, and it, it, it does help you build to be, a good, to be a good adult, in a sense, I guess. Okay. Then, AQHA. You did AQHA showing for around 10 years? Yes. And you... The one of the biggest things that you did, you actually went to Congress, yes, and out of around 500 entries, 500 entries that's massive, yes, okay. You came in first, yes, yes, first in showmanship, yes. So, because the people that listen to my podcast, I have different categories of people, I've got people in the horse world, and then people just in the business world. Explain showmanship to someone that does not compete with horses or or even have a horse. And showmanship is, it is on the ground. It is you, the horse is in a halter and you are leading it. And so it's, in a sense, you want the horse that's correct, that is responsive, that is, that minds you, yet you have to look pretty and poised the entire time. So it's kind of like, modeling with the horse in a sense I guess would be a good way to put it okay all but, right but yeah congress congress was a lot of fun that was the first time we'd ever been there it was the very first class I competed in my trainer was actually competing at the same time so I had a friend that was there to kind of help me and school me and, and give me confidence okay. and I really didn't think I was even going to make it out of my heat and I did I went back and then I placed there were four judges I placed first under three and second 
under the fourth one. Okay. So it was it was a lot of fun. It was an amazing high to go on to finish Congress. It was just it was an amazing experience. Who was your trainer at that time? Uh, Joni and Craig Nelson. Okay. Do you still train with them? No, they actually separated, and we are no longer. My mom is still in contact with Joni, but we no longer train with them at this time. Okay. All right. So you also won the Novice Amateur All-Around. Yes. So tell us what all is in the All-Around. So in that, that was at Congress. Uh, The Novice Amateur would be all of the Novice Amateurs and all of the Novice Amateur events. And so that year at Congress, I competed in showmanship, hunt seat, hunt seat equitation, and horsemanship. So I had four events, and I was in the top ten because I was seventh in um, horsemanship, and then I was top five in the other two. And I think that was the first year or close to the first year that somebody that didn't do jumping mm-hmm. won the novice amateur all around. Oh, okay. All right. So then you went to Dixie. Um, it was Dixie Nationals? Yes, the Dixie Nationals. Okay, so tell us about the Dixie Nationals. And that was down in Mississippi, and that was probably the next biggest show that we had competed in after Congress. And we went down there, and I competed in trail, showmanship, horsemanship, equitation, and hunt seat. And we ended up winning, I think we were first in showmanship, we were reserve in ec, reserve in horsemanship, and then we won the the amateur all around and won a hair saddle. Okay. All right, so trail at AQHA and, and Congress, I want you to explain trail to me. Because here's what I have seen is it's in an arena and it's um, timbers, just white um, like things that you would put into a garden or a, a flower bed, just the white wooden poles. And then there'll be also some potted plants. Yes. Okay, so that's what trail yes. is. So let me ask you this, because in Country Tough Trail Versatility, we our trail don't look like that. No, our trail no it is, does not. <laughs> not at all. <laughs> in Country Tough Trail Versatility, we're trying to build a versatile horse. So we don't, we don't do it as versatile as what you've done before. But it is trail riding, then you have a ranch horsemanship pattern, and then you have natural obstacles. And we combine the score from those three for an overall. But our trail, I mean, like, uh, I mean, you got to go through a ditch and up a hill. And so has your, have your horses um, done well with transitioning from trail competition and, like, the arena setting and then doing actual trail riding and then competing in something that's more close to actual trail riding. Have you seen any? And they've done good. I've seen that I've got to approach obstacles slightly different than what I used to because in the quarter horse trail industry, I mean, it it is very controlled. You put this foot where you want it to be. You count your strides. You know how many strides you're doing in a lope over, how many strides it should take to get the next pull. You know that when you're doing uh, trot overs, you can time and get which foot you want to lead over that pull to set you up for the next pull and to prevent them from, from, um, from hitting the pull. And so moving on to something like this, it takes a lot. It's like, okay, I'm, I'm not in as much control as what I would, in a sense, like to be because I've got to let that horse do it. Whenever you go over some deadfall logs, you have to let that horse find its foot. You've got to let it take its course and to go where it thinks it needs to go. Okay. Well, I know some things, like I love to actually lope out on the trail, but I'll have to slow down in some areas because there'll be too many tree roots that are exposed. You know, nothing they can get their foot hung up on, but I don't want them to hurt their foot or if it's a rockier area. So, like... Man, I can be, I can go, and then I have to stop and slow down. And then I'm like, Jesus, take the wheel. Here, just get us through this. Okay, and then I'll go back to doing my fancy stuff. But not as fancy as what you're doing. <laughs> no. No, no, no. Well, you know, it's hard for me to be fancy right now when my main mount is a, it's a Tennessee Walker mule. <laughs> I do not have any experience with gated animals, and then I have two but one of them is gated and one's not. Like I have one. So a mule is half donkey and half horse. Okay, well, in both cases, 
Um, my Tennessee Walker mule, I guess the donkey must have been gated because she's gated. But then the donkey was not gated with my Missouri Foxtrotter mule, so he's not gated. But he's extremely smooth. There's not a lot of jiggle and wiggle on my part whenever he's cantering. Now then, have you ever rode a mule? No. No. I might have to change that. Okay? <laughs> well, actually, I take that back. I did ride your mule at the first clinic. For oh, like, you rode Coco yeah, or JoJo? For, I rode Coco for like maybe two laps. Oh, okay. So I have ridden a mule. <laughs> okay. I'll have to let you ride her again. She's getting a lot more fancy. Um, I'm beginning to be able to get my right lead. For some reason, she had never really cantered before me, and her right side is so underdeveloped that... Um, like whenever we canter or for people that are not horse people, it's like um, running, but it's not a full-fledged run. It's like a slow, controlled run. To the left is beautiful, and to the right, it looks like she needs a drink of V8. She falls in, and I'm trying to pick her shoulder up the whole time to be like, stand up. But whenever I make her run with her right lead, um, she'll be sore for a little bit just because that side is underdeveloped and now we've got to bring it back till it's equal right. with the left side. So for the people that do not know about horses, you want them to be even and balanced, okay? Which is kind of, it's kind of odd to say that because, you know, if I was a, a tennis player, I would have one, like, Donkey Kong-sized arm and then one that was, like, not. But then I require my animals to be balanced. I think I probably need to work on being balanced myself even more to make them more balanced so let's go into um now your your heart horse okay so this heart horse that she loved that she did a lot of the stuff on was a horse named toad yes toad (laughs) and then he ended up he's no longer with us he had some um you said he had some front feet issues yes and so what happened to him um he had an injection on his front foot which caused an infection and so he basically tore a tendon, and then in the process of tearing the tendon, he also broke a bone, and he had to be put down. Oh, man. Oh. So what did Toad look like? Toad was a 16-2 hand red roan with a tail for days. He had this, <laughs> the first time I saw him, I thought he had a fake tail in, oh. and it was his real tail. Oh, I mean, he's just like... He's like the Fabio yes. of 16-2 yes. hand red roan quarter horses. And it was funny because the first couple of years we showed him, he always had braids because hunt seat was his main focus. Well, at Congress, the Congress that I won, after showmanship, we had hunt seat that night, and I had convinced my trainer that we didn't need to braid him, we would just roach him. So we roached him at Congress, and since then he was roached, and kind of the roaching trend came into the quarter horse world for a short period of time. <laughs> so you shaved, you shaved oh, yeah. him. Oh wow. yeah, he was roached. Oh yeah, wow. I love I love roached ponies. <laughs> okay. I have had so many people make fun of me in the past because I used to shave all of our horses' manes. And, like, I shaved them all. Oh, yeah. And, well, and, and now my mule, one of my mules has got a stegosaurus mohawk just to be cute and different, and the kids love it. So it's cut like a stegosaurus, a stegosaurus dinosaur. But the other one is shaved. And, um, man, I loved it. It's so much easier. I bet oh, the horses yes. are like, They do. Goodness. Well, and that's what my red horse that I show here, Bo, he's got a, he's got a roach. So, Okay. How did I miss that? Because <laughs> he didn't, he, he just got it again here this last week. So. Oh. See, and a lot of people would not do that. No. They, You know, I've had trainers before in the past and um, tell me, man, if something's got a long mane, you can add $1,000 at least onto that horse's price. <laughs> like people pay for long Oh, manes. they do. They do. So, all right. Now then, let's get, you have had other horses. You had Toad, then you had Tadpole. Then you had TC, which was Tadpole's clone. Yes. Then you had Cletus. And what's your horses that you ride now? Um, we have Luke, Leroy, Frederick, and Bo. Okay. And which two are which are your your main ones? My two are Frederick and Bo. And okay. Bo is actually technically my husband's horse, and he of course named him off of uh, John Wayne's horse oh. named Bo. Okay. Now your husband. Is your husband a horse guy? He is now. He oh. was not originally. You've got, you're converting the whole world to cowboys yes, and yes. cowgirls. Okay, I was not expecting that because I know that your husband is a roper. Yes. But did you know how to rope before him? Yes, I did because I roped in high school rodeo. But 
And I'm, I'm not a teacher, so I found him people like what my parents did, and I got him lessons, and I got him around people that actually knew how to rope, and that's where he learned to rope. Are you, do you and your husband have a header and a healer ranking? We do not. We haven't competed in many um, ranked ropings. We mainly just do it for fun and socialization. Okay. We have, oh, you'll have to go back and listen to my podcast. I have one with a lady named Karen Peck, and I used to host these all-around cowgirl challenges where you had to do, like, four horse events and four non-horse events. But she won that at the age of 56 and then turned around and re- won it again at 57. So it's easier to become a champion than to remain a champion. Yes. That's, a, like, right, right, that's the big deal is whenever you can win something and come back. But she was a, um, her and her um, husband at the time was headers and healers and uh, I think she was a four on the um, head and maybe a five healer which I think that's cool because yes. I don't think they separate men and women or... no no it's all combined yep so I love that that's the way it is in mounted archery also they do not um, divide you up by men and women so and that's the same way it is in obstacles we don't separate you I think one of the few places that they separate um men and women in a horse um competition is in mounted shooting okay that's the one that i didn't realize i didn't know that either yeah that's what i remember i took a mounted shooting clinic once before and then i think that's what i remember from that i mean they might do it now but i don't that's what i if you're wanting to separate men and women there you go um all right so right now you have around 30 total horses yes okay and tell us what about your breeding program. So we'll start with the horse one, but then we've got two other types of breeding, so I'm going to keep you on the hook for that, okay? <laughs> yes. All right, because you're going to be amazed by what the heck they're also <laughs> breeding because we never have these kind of breeders on here. All right, so tell us about the horse breeding. Uh, horse breeding, we started out with uh, quarter horses and paints. We had about 50 broodmares, full-time vet. I think we stood um, six or seven studs at the time. We would um, stand studs for other people, collect ship, AI, all of that, live cover. And then after college, I kind of started taking over more of the breeding industry. Um, When my husband and I first started dating, he assisted me and we started reducing the herd and going down to one stud and about 15 broodmares we started live covering everything it was my husband and I that basically handled everything probably about seven years ago I started taking over a lot of the vet work AI or um, sonogramming our own horses and so that was that was a learning experience but it's it's been a lot of fun it's something that I really do enjoy it's really interesting you can really start learning your mares tracking them timing them knowing when they're going to ovulate knowing when to breed to save the stud because the stud we use and is the sire of three of the horses we ride right now um he is 19 years old so we're basically trying to save him as as long as we can right so but but now we've kind of transitioned into uh raising half drafts so we we still have our quarter horse stud that we breed to our drafts and the way that he is is he's homozygous uh, black and so he only throws buckskins so it's kind of nice because we know what we're gonna have but then again buckskins are kind of getting boring oh my gosh (laughs) oh no do you know the um my little palomino that i have glamour is her name well i used to do full contact fighting and i was glamour with the hammer but i named her just after that but um, her mother is a buckskin, but she's Palomino. So no telling what we would get. I don't know. I don't know horse color breeding enough to know what we would be able to get out of her. I, I won't bore you with that side of things. <laughs> no, you won't bore me. Oh my gosh. We'll have to talk about this later. Do you know off the top of your head about what colors? Well, it would depend can... on who you would breed her to, because if you wanted to get a buckskin, you would have to breed her to a horse with the black gene. Because right now she does not have the black gene. She'd have one one dilute gene. So she could throw buckskins if she was bred to, say, like a bay or a black. Or even bred to a buckskin. But she would have to be bred to something with the black gene. Now, even, even a buckskin can technically be homozygous black, even though they're just a buckskin. Because they can only throw black. So if you bred her to a homozygous, bu- or a hung- homozygous black buckskin, you would you would potentially get either a bay or a buckskin. 
Okay. And you know, you're like, buckskin's getting boring. I would love to have a buckskin. You know, my absolute favorite color, and if you've listened to Big Boss Mirror with Brandy Von Holten, you probably know what my favorite color is, but I'm liver chestnut. I love liver chestnut, and I love black. Yep. I love them to be just as black as they can be. See, and I love a sorrel. A sorrel with a lot of white. That is that really pretty red sorrel oh with gosh. white. I mean, those are some of the prettiest horses. Yeah. All right. So um, now the draft crosses. What made you decide to do that? Just because that's where the industry's kind of taking you to? Or? No, honestly, I think it's because every little girl secretly wants a draft horse. Oh, okay. And so I kind of... I came back and I told my mom, I was like, you know what? I was like, I'm going to start raising horses that I want and I'm not going to worry about what anybody else wants and hopefully they'll want them too. So that's when we got our first Shire and after that it's become an addiction and I love them. I mean, the draft horses, a a good friend of ours, they used to trim our horses. He was actually um, left the Amish community, but he always said that draft horses will kill you gently. We'll kill you gently. Oh, my gosh. (laughs) Well, you know, I've seen a lot of draft horses here, and as long as they are trained not to be pushy, they're they're pretty docile. They're docile, and then they they don't run as fast, but they can still be extremely useful with being a a cross. Yeah, they can be very athletic, very... Well, and they can also carry the load. Yes. I mean, you can... You can put heavier riders, bigger, taller riders, and then these things have energy for days, and they're just a gentle creature. Yes. So uh, I love the mix. Um, all right, so what? what's your goal with them? You don't want to train them. You're wanting to sell them. Yes, we sell babies. I, that is what we like to do. I like to mess with the babies. I like to see them in the pasture, really. You know, it, it's very exciting to sonogram the mare, see them at 14 days, and then in 340 days, you see them at just when they're born. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, it's I, I handle all of the babies when they're born. You know, we, we've got cameras in the barn. I know when they're going to full. I check the milk for the pH level to see how close they are. And, I mean, we are pretty much spot on and right there at the farm every time a baby's born. Mm-hmm. Okay, so in addition to the horses. Okay, so let's do this little bitty breeding first, and then we're going to talk about the a very odd breeding to me, okay? So you're also a cat breeder. Yes. And y'all have, what's your specialty? We have Maine Coons. Okay. So your Maine Coons, um, I've had a Maine Coon before. Well, actually, I've had two. Um, are there different colors for other people? There are, they... but, I mean, it's it's a typical whatever color a cat can come in is what a Maine Coon can come in. I know there, there's fancy names for their colors, but basically what we have is we have a tabby and white king, and then we have a tortoiseshell queen, and then a dilute tabby. Okay. And then you also sell half Maine Coons. Yes. And people love that? People love the half Maine Coons because they're significantly cheaper than a Maine Coon. But I, I think it goes right along with your your mixed breeding. You get a hardier baby. It's it's yeah. amazing when we have a Maine Coon litter and then a half Maine Coon, the half Maine Coons take off better. They grow better. They're just hardier in general. Yep. Okay. All right. So now here we go. I told you she did three different types of breedings. We've got the horse. We've got the cat. And now this dog breeding. Okay. So let's talk about you have a couple of different females and then your male and then what all you get. So let's go ahead. All right. Are y'all ready for this? <laughs> all right. Go ahead. Okay, so we've got a female St. Bernard, we've got a female Newfoundland, and then we have a male Poodle. Okay, so you make St. Burdoodles. Yes. And you make Newfie Poo. Yes. Newfie Poos. Newfie Poos. All right, so let's go into, explain to me um, a St. Bernard, so that's a big husky dog. Yes. And then a poodle is not small. No, no, no. A there, it's a standard big. poodle. Yeah, he's our our male is William, and he is probably 70, 75 pounds. So he he's a smaller standard is what he is. We didn't want to raise gigantic yeah. dogs, even though they're Saint Bernard in Newfoundland, but we didn't want a giant standard. And okay. then 
uh, Kate or Catherine is our St. Bernard. Mm-hmm. And same thing. She is on the smaller side of a St. Bernard, but she is a perfect picturesque type of St. Bernard. She's got a, a drier mouth, which makes it so that the puppies have a less chance of being drooly like a St. Bernard is because they're yeah. known to be drooly. I'm just remembering that movie. I don't, you you might be too young for it, but it was Turner and Hooch. And he was talking to the St. Bernard and then he was like, it looks like you swallowed a sneaker and you got the tennis, the laces hanging out your mouth. See, and I remember Beethoven whenever oh, yeah. he's in the living room and he goes to shake and the drool <laughs> is covering everything. So, Ugh. so yes, Kate doesn't do that. Okay. <laughs> All right. So the Newfoundland. Newfoundland. Newfoundland yes. Okay. Um, that is Elizabeth or Liz. And she is, she's actually bigger than the St. Bernard. Um, Newfoundlands and St. Bernards are very similar in size. It's just a Newfoundland is generally a little thicker, a little heavier made, but not quite as tall as a St. Bernard. But she is bigger. She's actually the biggest female, and she is the biggest puppy dog. I mean, she is a sweetheart. Okay. So I have been hearing about people breeding poodles with all sorts of dogs for years like a poodle must be where it's at I mean do they have a good mind or tell me about a poodle poodles are they're not number one for the smartest dogs but they are right up there with a border collie they're very trainable um they're good family dogs they're good with kids and they don't shed that, that is the big key with the poodles is they don't shed. Now, if you breed them and you get your F1 crosses, which is what we are, F1s are the first generations, and so that's where you've got the St. Bernard and the poodle would be an F1. And so they generally do not shed, but they're not guaranteed not to shed. Right. So you have the different hair coats. You have the curly, the wavy, and the straight. And... This last litter we had, we had several curlies, we had several wavies, and we did have a couple straights. So the straight ones are going to shed and be more like St. Bernard, have more St. Bernard tendencies, whereas the curlies are going to have more poodle tendencies. Now, with um, Elizabeth even, where she's a Newfoundland, they would still be F1s. When you breed a, let's see, a St. Bernard or a poodle to a St. Berdoodle, you would get an F1B, which would be your second generation. Those, if you breed a curly St. Berdoodle to a poodle, generally every puppy would be non-shedders. Okay, that's because it's going to be doubled up on the poodle side. Correct. Now you also get more of that poodle tendencies, those poodle characteristics. And if you have not been around a poodle, a poodle is a clown. They have (laughs) all kinds of personality, and they are very active. Okay, so we were, I was always raised with boxers, and they are just as goofy as can be. I don't know if you've seen it on Facebook or TikTok where this lady went through the training of her boxer, and they were supposed to go from point A to point B, and yes. the lady's at point B, and they let it go. And this thing does spins in the air, runs around, and then comes to where it's supposed to be at. And I'm all like, oh, my gosh, that dog is so happy. That's what I kind of envision. I like the energy of a boxer. Is that in the mentality? Is that close to a poodle? Yes. Yes. Okay. I'd be very similar. <laughs> I, I, I think they're a little smarter than a boxer is. They're a little bit more trainer than a trainer or a little um, more trainable than a boxer would be. But, but yes, that type of clownish type of personality is a poodle. Okay. And so with the St. Bernards, you breed in St. Bernards. And St. Bernards are very lazy. They're couch potatoes. They just want to cuddle. They're kind of Velcro dogs too. But they, that type of personality mixed with the poodle, you get a little bit more chilled of a dog. I know a lot of the crosses, a lot of the really popular crosses are your golden doodles and your labradoodles. Well, you're breeding a very active poodle to an active lab or an active golden retriever. I mean, you're going to get a very active puppy. Mm. So that's why we wanted to focus on more laid-back type of personalities. So your personal dog, so your personal dog, his name is Mater. Yes. Now, Mater is a, it's Bar Zapikar. Yes. Okay, so tell us about your personal dog. How did you end up with this? This dog looks like, he looks like Michael J. Fox in Teen Wolf from like, <laughs> I don't know, whatever, whatever year that movie came out. So tell us about Mater. So I actually did research on the breed when I had taken a test to see what breed suited me. 
And the Bars AP car came up as an option. It was one of the breeds that I never heard of, so I started doing research on them. And they are a French sheepdog. They actually were almost extinct because of World War One and World War Two were both fought over in the Picardy region, which is where they were bred. So I think there's only about 600 of them actually in the world right now. So they are a very rare breed, which is one thing when everybody asks me, what is he? It's like, oh, he's a Barzee Picard. It's like, we've never heard of that. It's okay. Nobody really has. <laughs> so what is this dog's personality for it to match up with your personality? If you say anything bad, you're going to be talking bad about yourself. Oh, my God. He's, he's, he's antisocial. A, he no. is antisocial, and so am I. <laughs> But no, he's he's very loyal. He is a Velcro dog. Um, he is very active, very intelligent, very trainable. Um, he is a minimal shutter, but he's he's still a cattle dog at heart, which I love cattle dogs. I will probably always have a cattle dog. So right. he still has that cattle dog personality. It's just mixed in with everything else. Okay. Yeah, I am. I love boxers. I love blue heelers, but I don't know. You know, I always thought I wanted a Great Dane until I realized the the bombs that they put into the yard. <laughs> so I don't know if I'm going to end up with a Great Dane, but every Great Dane that I've seen, they've been just lovable big they're, dogs. They're big clowns, too. That's yeah. actually my oldest sister. That's two of her fur babies are Great Danes. Oh, my God. Y'all don't like little dogs. No. Y'all are into <laughs> I mean, these dogs are big enough to put saddles on, which I'm sure you hear that all the time. Like, you can put a saddle on that dog? <laughs> yes. So, you are talking about maybe next year you have some other competition goals. So, what are you thinking about? What What's your next step? Because you've got Carissa with you. And yes. You've helped develop her. Yes. And... And I think, yeah, we, we want to try um, the Pinto uh, the Pinto World, which they have a ranch horse division and they have a solid breed ranch horse division. So we'd be able to take our, our buckskins and compete at the Pinto World and the ranch horse division, which they've got ranch showmanship, ranch horsemanship, ranch rail, and I believe ranch confirmation. And then we've also talked about going to the buckskin world since we have three buckskins we would fit in. See, I always assumed that y'all competed in the buckskin world, but nope. y'all, you've always done the AQHA. We with? always have. We had a couple buckskins and we went down there. Actually, this is a really funny story, so I've got to tell it. <laughs> so we had a, uh, he was, he was a dun and he won the buckskin world as a two-year-old in the one, I think they do yearly and two-year-old division together. And so he was a stud horse. His name was Elvis. And my stepdad, Mark, he had to have him. He loves halter horses. That's that's one of the things he really likes. So he bought Elvis, and we showed him at the quarter horse shows since we didn't do buckskin, but we had planned to go to the buckskin world. Well, our trainer at the time was Aaron Hall, and I had told him that we're going to put him in the, um, the Dunn Factor class. And he was telling me, oh, I think he's going to be too tired. This is a lot of work. It's a lot of classes. It was two classes in one day, and it was halter. I mean, done factor is halter. You go in and you stand and you get judged on your color. So he was like, oh, I think he's going to be too tired. Well, secretly, he didn't want to compete in it because he didn't want to get last. Well, he goes in there, competes, shows, and under the first judge, he was placed first. Second judge, he was first again. Third judge, I think he put him third. And, of course, about this time, Aaron's like, oh, my gosh, this guy doesn't know what he's doing. (laughs) So then, actually, the fourth judge put him first again. And he got a world title from that. And he didn't want to show. He thought it was so stupid to do. He thought he was going to get dead last. And, lo and behold, he won the class. Oh, my gosh. Well, you know, I do. Something that I take away from Shayla is your ability to just try different things. I mean, you have, you came from not a horse background, and now you are, you are breeding them, and you're, you know what you like, and your mother's doing well, your niece is doing well, and your horses look amazing. Thank you. And it's like a big operation, and you understand a lot of stuff, and you did not come from a horse background. I, I think that's going to be so motivational for a lot of people to hear, because A lot of people think that if they were not, they didn't have horses since they were born, that they're lesser and that they're like not going to be a cowgirl. And I will tell you, Shayla can outride you. I mean, like today we have something called, she competed and then I like pulled her in and said, hey, can you do this podcast interview with me? 
but we usually have we have something called cowboy roulette and i have them enter it and they've got to pay for it before they're allowed to compete and then they don't know what they're competing in until they show up and i make them do stupid stuff one time I made them go down, and this is before Shayla, but I had them run down, and we had a goat tied up, and they had to put a pair of Iron Man underwear onto a goat, get back on their horse, and run down. Okay, fastest time, and it had to be done correctly, one. And they pay $10 to enter. Well, half of it goes to them, and then 25% goes to a charity, and then 25% goes to Von Holton Ranch for hosting the event. Anyways, well, Shayla's been doing pretty good in our cowboy roulette. So what have we had you do so far? Uh, the first one, which I rode Bo for the first time. So Bo is, like I said, my husband's horse, but he is our jack of all trades. He is a master of none, but he is a jack of all trades. He right. is the Mr. Dependable. If you need to go catch some cows, you go get Bo. If you need to, if it's the apocalypse, you ride Bo. Does he have a <laughs> master's in general education? Yes. Yes. <laughs> general studies. Yes. Okay. Yes. You know, in college, they have they have that major where, like, you just took a whole bunch of other classes and you end up with, like, a bachelor's, but it's not any specific area. Yes, that would be Bo. That's Bo. That's Bo. Okay. So the first cowboy roulette, um, it was you went down between two cones, you picked up the log, you walked it around the two barrels, and then you set it back down and it couldn't fall off. Oh, okay. So that right there is called Wind the Clock. For some people that might know that in obstacles, but the, it's a garacha pole, and it's um, seated on top of two barrels that are standing up, and then you have to one end has to stay as the pivot point, okay? But then it had to be done fast yes. because yeah, because usually that's not a speed event. No. So and your, have you seen that one before? Yes, actually, we did a um, an obstacle clinic a couple years ago and that was one that we did and and actually I had Bo at that time that's who I was riding and we played around with it I think we just walked and trotted it we didn't actually like loop around it but but yeah I had an idea of what to do because I had done that but but yeah so we go busting in there and we slam on the brakes and grab the pole and go as fast as we can and then bust down to there which I run barrels on Bo I mean Mm -hmm. Bo is the horse that he runs barrels he runs poles he ropes he Goat ties. He does everything and everything. How old is Bo? Bo is 15. Okay, so perfect age. Yes. And I love that he's your husband's horse that you are doing roping from. Yes. Have you competed in any of our other uh, cowboy roulette? The last one, because we didn't do today just because of the heat. So we decided to give him a break and unsaddle him and let him chill. So... Which I, I watched it, and I really think, I kind of wished I would have done it. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it looked like a lot of fun. But the other one was the the poles on the ground and whoever hit the, the least amount of poles. Which, right. with that one, I knew we probably wouldn't do any good because of all of our horses like to clunk poles. Mm. Well, and we put it in a weird shape and had them do all sorts of stuff. And then today's cowboy roulette was um, we made a, a circle almost, but they had to be able to run into the circle, and it, the circle's made out of timbers, and then there's a much narrower chute. Well, they had to come in, do a circle, and then back out, but then I had told everybody, hey, if you're jerking, I was like, I want to see good backing. I don't want to see horses' mouths open. I was like, I'll give you a warning, and then I'll DQ you, but the deal was it was the best time, but they could not touch a pole, so if they touched a pole, I would go, I would like, thank you for your money. That's what I would tell them. <laughs> yes, yes. It, it really looked like a lot of fun. I really wish we probably would have done it. Well, and you know what? I love doing that cowboy roulette. It's just something extra. I mean, like, well, it's fun. You don't know what you're doing, and there's no, con- I mean, it's just for fun, literally for fun. You just mm-hmm. enjoy your horse, and you only you try something new. Well, and you know, whenever, and I usually play some 90s rap music, be some salt and pepper going on, or whatever, something like that, or some, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, what is that? Um, who is that? I don't know music. Usher. Okay. It's Usher. Okay. <laughs> Anyways, we, I, it's kind of c- catches people off guard because here we are out in the middle of nowhere and then I'm playing some salt and pepper while you're like doing something goofy and people are like, <laughs> do we have to put Iron Man underwear on this goat? And we <laughs> sure do. <laughs> Anyways. Okay. So if they would like to contact you for buying a horse or buying a cat, or buying a dog, or for getting insurance. Yes. But let's get something straight. Shayla is not a professional trainer. No. 
So she does not do lessons. No. So do not contact her for that. She just likes to compete. I'm not the- a teacher. I don't teach. You don't want me teaching anybody. <laughs> I yell and I don't explain anything. I just do. <laughs> I'm not. There are people that can train that can't ride. And there are people that can ride that can't train. And that's oh, yeah. very true. So how do they get in touch with you if they wanted to talk to you about insurance? Insurance, we have a website. Um, it would be the www.jblb, which is Jerry Baker, Lois Baker, which is uh, Mark, my stepdad, his parents. And so it's jblbinsurance.com. Okay. Now then, if they wanted to talk to you about buying a dog, a horse, or a cat, how do they get in touch with you? The best option would be Facebook. Um, you can search for Galloping Bee Ranch for any horse-related. And then Mimi Doodles would be for any dog-related. And Mimi's Cattery for cat-related. Cattery. Cattery. We're oh fancy. Oh, gosh. <laughs> Good Lord. So Facebook. And, of course, if you always wanted to contact Shayla, you could. And if you couldn't find any of this stuff, you can contact me because I keep everybody's information, email, phone number, you can contact me and I can get y'all in touch. So there you go. So Shayla, any, um, your thoughts on country tough trail versatility about who should try that? Anybody should try it. Honestly, it's, it's a lot of fun. There's a lot of divisions. It is very user friendly and it's made to work for the people that Anybody that rides horses. I mean, you can have your trainers, you can have your amateurs, your day riders, anybody, anybody that even just wants to start showing. It's, it's a great atmosphere. It's, it's, it's a fun place to come. You know, something I remember whenever y'all were signing up, you had signed up. You needed like, I don't know, four or five stalls. Y'all stayed for a couple of days. You did clinics. You did competitions times four. And whenever I told you the total, your mom laughed yes. she was like that's it yes because the some of the competitions y'all went to it was yes. a comma yes absolutely oh yeah so I will that is something that we pride ourselves in is that we're affordable for people so a lot of these competitions you'll get there and then it's another entry it's another 45 it's another 100 or something like that and ours is right now it's 40 dollars, and you get to compete in Two events on Saturday, one on Sunday. Cowboy Roulette is its own little thing. That's 10 bucks. So it's super affordable. It is. All right. Well, thank you all for tuning in to Big Boss Mare with Brandy Von Holten.